Art is the thread that weaves a tapestry of personality and character into the fabric of a home. It holds the power to transform mere physical spaces into vibrant reflections of the dweller's inner worlds. With each stroke of paint, chisel of a sculptor's tool, or click of a camera, art adds a layer of depth and emotion that resonates throughout the rooms. It engages the senses, ignites conversation, and evokes a spectrum of feelings. Join me in this episode as we discuss how to thoughtfully include art in your home. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Disco Designs, an interior design podcast. My name is Dave. I am an emerging interior designer in Brisbane, Queensland. And thank you for tuning back into today's episode where we are going to be talking all things art. The inspiration for this show today came from a recent purchase that I had made. Uh, So, uh, and I thought that I should share that with you and then give you some thoughts on how I believe we can best incorporate artwork into our living spaces and doing it in a meaningful way that has a connection to you and that adds to your home. So what's my story? What's my relationship with art like? Um, to be honest, I have until probably the last maybe five to ten years never had a real interest in art. Uh, what do I mean by that? I uh, probably more in the physical art world, like paintings, etc. I never really found pieces that really uh, really resonated me with me. And I think, look, this is twofold. Number one, as someone who's renting for a very very long time, art isn't something that I really considered because usually I couldn't put a hook in a wall to hang something up and if I was in a, a few of the rentals I was in did have a couple of wall hooks and I'd just throw something up and be like, that's it. So definitely home ownership has a bit of a different interest in that and also switching into to a designer space and you realise, wow, actually how important artwork is and that it is an extension and adds and can make or break an interior space as well. So I've definitely developed more of an interest in uh, paintings and photography and sculpture pieces since then. So what's my recent story? I have been looking at this artist in Brisbane. Her name's Sharon, uh, Sharon Hunjas. I hope I got that right. She has an Instagram, uh, studio.sashwa. And her style is um, a lot of vector-based or graphic. Um, I think she, she creates an original set and then I think she digitizes them for prints. And her subject matters are often on Queensland buildings or they actually could be anywhere throughout Australia. I know she's done quite a few from Victoria and she'll do things from the coast. Anyway, her basically her style is she will look at something like a, an old Queenslander home and really pulls out all of the, the details and the character. And I don't want to say imperfections, but it is it to some point, you know, she will... Um, outline the beautiful details of the wood paneling, for example, and the breeze blocks and kind of plays up the colors a little bit from the original property. But then we'll include things like the garbage bins out the front. So it's this appreciation of the reality of things and an appreciation for tradition and appreciation for celebrating like older things, you know what I mean? Not everything has to be shiny and new. It's looking at a building and going, yes, this building is not quote unquote perfect, but it's got all this beautiful character in it. 
and it's it's had it's got all these stories to tell. And for me, that I just loved that whole premise of her artwork. Anyway, I've been looking at her work for probably two to three years now, now, but I've never bought anything because I struggle so much because she creates a lot of different pieces and they all have very different colorways and uh, I end up with decision paralysis and I go, I don't know what I want to buy, which one, like, because I kind of like them all, but I, you know, I like this subject matter, but maybe I like these colors better. So uh, there's a few retailers that stock her, um, some of her prints and a few of her originals in, in Brisbane. So I was in the, uh, one the other day and I saw her pieces and there were two that actually stood out to me and they were kind of near each other. And I went, you know what? I've been waiting this long. I don't think one of her pieces is enough. I'm going to get two. So I bought two of her prints. One is of a, um, the Kennedy, a Kennedy Terrace residence in Paddington in Brisbane. So it's a beautiful reminder and connection for me to Brisbane. And the other one is of a peanut plantation up at Kingaroy. I know a few people from Kingaroy um, as well. And it's just, and also my, although I didn't come from regional Queensland, I came from regional uh, regional New South Wales. It's a nice connection back to um, uh, back to the rural setting. So it's this nice juxtaposition of having something very suburban and then something very rural as well, which was nice. So that sort of brought back into focus my what my feelings on art are and the fact that I've been looking for three years and then finally have decided to buy some of her pieces is part of that. Um, so I thought we'd talk about that today in uh, on the podcast and hopefully give you some really useful things that you can consider when implementing artwork in your home. So let's get into it. First of all, why would you want to have art in your home? And if you're like me five years ago, with not really a keen interest in art, how do you navigate that? And look, there's no right answer. If you're, a, if you're an artist yourself, of course you would have an innate love of art. If you're someone who's art inclined, then not so much of a drama. But if you're, if you're someone who you go, oh, yeah, that's a nice picture or, or a nice photograph, my word of wisdom would be, look, don't force it. Don't force it. If it's really not something that interests you, that's okay. That's okay. And I guess you can choose what you want to do with that. Either maybe you incorporate artwork in other ways into your home, whether that's through furniture pieces. You know, Maybe the furniture pieces you have are more, maybe that excites you a bit more, the actual form or the color or the t- pattern or texture of your furniture um, or, uh, or some other ways, uh, which I really love and I've done a little bit in my home, is actually through records. Vinyl is making a big comeback, people. The The story of what goes around comes around uh, has never been truer. The 90s are back in fashion. The vinyls are back in for audio at the moment. So I've got a record player and I've got my vinyl collection. And what I love about vinyl I'm going a little bit off on a tangent here, but it comes back. Don't worry about it. What I love about vinyl is it's a a physical slowdown. In such a busy world, vinyl is a very physical slowdown for us. You have to actually actively take time out to stand up, go look at the, the records. You need to select one. You need to clean it. You need to put it on. When that side of the vinyl is done, you need to flip it over. You need to interact with it. It, it creates a more purposeful connection to music for me as opposed to just pulling up something on my phone, which I still do 95% of the time. 
But if I'm in a particular mood or I've got some guests over and I want to be really purposeful about it, having a record on is really, really nice because it is, it's a very intentional act for you to do it in a world where we have such flippant and uh, easy access to streaming services as well, which... Well, it's a whole other thing at the moment. So I don't know. I don't know the numbers and what artists actually get back on vinyls, but I, I'm assuming they get a little bit more of a kickback from a vinyl record than they do from a stream on Spotify. So um, maybe go buy, buy some vinyls as well as do some streaming. <laughs> Good way to support them. Where was I going with this thought? Vinyl. So one thing I love about vinyl, apart from obviously the music, is the cover art on the on the uh, on the actual albums because they're such a nice size, they're substantial, and depending on the type of music you're listening to, some of those co- the slip covers, dust covers, can be so incredibly artful. So if you're not someone who's super art inclined, maybe you're you're using things like vinyls, or maybe magazines or things like that 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 you can then use to decorate your space. So I've got a vinyl. Um, uh, crate stand thing. It's a aluminium one to sort of display two uh, stacks of them in a prominent area. So you can kind of, for me, that encourages guests to have a bit of a flip through. It's at a, a um, countertop height and they can interact with it and maybe have a look at through some records when they come over and go, oh, that's, that's cool. I remember that one. I had that one. Or, oh, I forgot about this artist. It's a bit of a conversation starter in a very interactive way. But there's also a lot of beautiful wall hanging solutions for, for those slip covers, uh, whether they are um, kind of like the picture rail situation. Sometimes they've got these little really thin rails that you can then just prop the covers up onto or some are more a little bit more permanent in frame situations or little holders. That can be something, uh, some way you might want to in- integrate uh, something like a vinyl into your artistic uh, repertoire as opposed to quote unquote traditional art. Okay, back to where I was going. Why have art in your home? So first of all, it's about self-expression. I think this is the most important thing. So art should be self-expression. I think there's a couple of different thoughts of people here. There's a couple of different camps that people might fall into. One is the, um, I need to cover up this blank wall. I'm going to buy something random, which we'll talk about in a minute. There's the one at the other end, which is I need to buy something to impress other people, which I don't necessarily buy into as much. And I think the middle ground there is I'm buying something that I love, that resonates with me personally, that has a story and that works in my space. I think that's the sweet spot for art. That's what art should be, in my opinion. In your home should be something that resonates with you, that you love, that tells a story and that works aesthetically within your home to make a make the composition better. It also creates ambiance and atmosphere. A piece of art can you know, a piece of art can be the focal point of a room. It really can, depending on the on the room and the scale of the art or what, what's happening around it. It can be the focal point. And art doesn't have to be a painting on the wall or a photograph. It can be sculpture. It can be furniture. A lot of what I actually love about furniture, a lot of the times, especially with uh, the European designers, it is so incredibly sculptural and beautiful in itself. It literally is artwork. So, that can be a way if maybe if you're not into paintings maybe you're really into furniture or into um uh yeah furniture design and and the the form of objects and how you interact with them it's a different way to to think about that in your space art can also be a conversation starter like i mentioned with the records flipping through the records 
that is a very music is very deeply rooted for for a lot of people there's lots of memory association there's a lot of time and place association it's very very emotive so actually allowing people in my home to interact with that collection is a beautiful way to show them a little bit about me and what sort of music I'm listening to and you know then vice versa if they pull out one and go oh I remember this song or I had this then we can perhaps have a shared conversation around that or have a shared memory about it as well art can be a reminder of a time and a place maybe that's when you purchase that piece or maybe it's an inherited piece it's maybe it's a reminder of a person maybe it's a reminder of maybe you took a holiday somewhere and you met a fabulous local artist and that's a memory of that holiday that you have and you can hold tight so it can be a bit of a time capsule and i think the key thing to take away from today i'm not although i'm getting ahead of myself here is that really art should um art should tell a story that's my belief it should tell a story it should contain a story that you can know yourself and that you can tell other people because it is you know art is storytelling whether it's song whether it is painted art whether it is sculpture whether there it is um furniture it all tells a story there's a story there's a there's an intention behind it that the artist has come up with and then they are projecting that through their chosen medium so it is all about storytelling art is storytelling and the last little thing about why you might want to have art in your home is sometimes just for fun. I've got a, um, I've got a, p- a picture in my bathroom, which is of Juno Birch. If you know Juno Birch, and it's, she's famous for playing The Sims and dress, um, she's a fabulous drag queen and dresses up like a, I guess, a housewife from the 50s who's actually secretly an alien. <laughs> One of her catchphrases is pause. And I have that in the bathroom. And every time I go to the bathroom, I'm like, just pause. Take a breath, pause, you know, it's a bit of a reminder for me to um, just take a deep breath and chill out from the day. So things like that, you can have a little bit of fun with the art pieces around or same with maybe quirky little sculptures or pieces that you have around the place that are they're just there for fun. But that, that again is also a, a, a reflection of your self-expression. Maybe you're not a, maybe you don't want your home to project as fun and quirky. Maybe you want it to be very serious, which is totally fine. And that's maybe a different way to take that. Or sometimes if you do have a very formal, serious space, actually including a little bit of whimsy helps to soften that and to um, show people that it's all not, you know, the facade isn't hard and harsh and really cold. There's actually a bit of humor and whimsy behind it. All right, let's get into things to consider. Let me have a sip of coffee. Ah, such a professional. If you knew, if you are new to art, that's okay. It's not necessarily a big passion for lots of people, but I think that most people can appreciate art in some way. And as I said, mentioned many times just before, there are so many different forms of art, so it doesn't have to apply to just what you believe is traditional art in painted oils or pastels or whatever it is. It can be music. It can be light it can be furniture it can be sculpture it can be wood turning it can be anything like that okay here are some of the things this is all going to start with the please don't do this and then we're going to slowly get to the yes let's do this bit okay so the first thing this is probably the biggest hottest tip do not rush and buy art and don't buy generic art now i'm going to clarify that first bit don't rush and buy art 
if you go and go to an art show and you see a piece and you love it, then buy it by all means. What I mean when I say don't rush and buy art and buy generic art is you you just moved into a new place and you go, I've got a blank wall, I need to fill it. And you walk into Big W and you buy the first thing you see. That's not designer. It's not art. I don't think you actually really love that $15 painting. I don't think you really like that. Say no to random prints, miscellaneous like paint blobby pictures as well. And things from like Kmart or Adairs or Big W, they you don't have a connection with them. They're mass produced. They don't they don't add anything to it. Okay? They don't add anything to your space except for maybe a bit of color and form. Avoid it. Same goes for reproductions. We know that's not a real Matisse. We know that's not actually the Mona Lisa. Oh, look, you, you know, and you may have a real Matisse in your home, and apologies if you do, that is a real Matisse. But you know what I mean? All these prints that we see all the time throughout pop culture, if you pop it in your home, people know that that's not the real thing. So, like, what, like you're not, you know it's not the real thing. They know it's not the real thing. Who are you fooling? Unless you've got some really meaningful, deep connection to it, then sure, knock yourself out. But as a general rule, if you're putting up a picture of the Mona Lisa in your home, it's not really adding anything to that home, is it? It's not, we know it's not the Mona Lisa. Um, so yeah, I, I would avoid that. Same with Ikea art as well. The problem with, with a lot of that stuff is like, we all know the London bus, uh, the London bus canvas from Ikea. If you know, you know. I don't know if they still make that or not. But all those mass-produced pieces, look, they might only get produced for a couple of years, but it, they end up enough in the cultural zeitgeist that we all know where they've come from. And if you've been to Ikea, you're like, yeah, okay, I can, I've seen this left, right, and center. They don't add anything. The only exception to this is, I would say, in commercial spaces, in hotels, if you've got an Airbnb, uh, if you've got an office, or even in an office, I'd hope you'd have some art that is meaningful to you. But these mass-produced generic things, they do serve a purpose, but they are, I would only ever put them in a space where lots of people are going to churn through that space, like a hotel because I want it to have some general mass appeal and it's it's there to maybe create a bit of color and interest. But, you know, the 30 people that stay in that room over a month, maybe one of them absolutely loves it and the rest don't even look at it. So there's a time and a place for that. Say no to live, laugh, love. Say no to word art in general. I cannot think of anything that is word arty that looks great. I'm sure if I spent three seconds Googling, I could find an exception to that rule. There's always exceptions to the rule. But if you walk into a retail store and there is, you know, it's, it's signs like the the kitchens or handmade with love or I hate the laundry signs. I hate, um, you know, home is where the heart is. All those kind of kitschy signs. They're just, they're, they're, if you like them, whatever, it's your home. <laughs> Do you do you? However, do they have a story to tell or are they just filling a place on a wall or a place on a sideboard? Okay? 
that's that would be my point of reflection. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. Mm-hmm. There are some exceptions, but I would avoid word art altogether. It it just feels tacky. It feels meh. Yep. I, I'm not not about not about it. Same goes with posters. It depends on what it is. Um, uh, you can have, you know, I'm not saying you can't have posters. What I'm saying is if you're going to have posters, delineate it from a teenage bedroom, right? If, you, if you're a movie buff, let's say you're a movie buff and you've got all these beautiful original posters that were the cinemas and you want to display them, absolutely, that is art. Knock yourself out, but have them framed or presented really beautifully where they don't look like they've just been stuck up with blue tack. Do, curate them. Maybe don't throw 20,000 of them on the wall or plaster wall to wall. You know what I mean? Like if you imagine a wall where it's totally covered in movie posters versus maybe two pieces really thoughtfully framed on a wall with maybe even some spotlighting to highlight them, the level of elevation and focus that gives is much more impactful than the 20,000 posters on the wall. More is not always more. Sometimes less is more. And with art, it's the same thing. If you have too many pieces that are competing in a space, you're not letting them shine and you're not letting them speak for themselves. They end up competing with their neighbors. So, you, you know, you can do posters, but do it thoughtfully. Get them beautifully framed. Again, try and avoid your Ikea frames, etc. And framing, framing is one of those things that, look, it's not cheap, but it's an investment and those frames are going to last a long time. Um, so it, it can be worth it. It can be absolutely worth it. And the frame themselves are a piece of art and they really are there to support the, um, support the piece that they're, they're surrounding as well. What else am I advising against? I haven't gotten, <laughs> haven't gotten too much to actually what you should buy, should I? Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is family photos or just general kind of, yeah, photos of my life situation. Um, I am a firm believer in not putting family photos in public spaces. Now, this, again, might stir some people up and that is totally fine. Again, it's your home. Do what you want with it. The logic behind this is the general rule I like to follow is public spaces such as the main entranceway, dining rooms or living rooms where guests are going to spend time. I wouldn't be putting family photos in there because it, it makes the spaces a little too personal to you. And what I mean by that is it almost feels like you are potentially, um, you know, like you're really invading their space, if that makes sense. Like sometimes if you walk in and the first thing you see over the mantle is a wedding photo, a huge wedding photo of, you know, a couple embraced or whatever, kissing, it's like, okay, well, look, it's a beautiful photo and a great memory of your wedding day. But also if I'm just a guest and I don't really know you that well, it can be a little bit confronting. You're like, oh, wow, okay, right. I'm seeing very, you know, <laughs> intimately into your life. Um, it just has a certain feeling about it. Same with saying like lots of photos of kids. It's like, it can just be a little bit, it can be a lot in those really public spaces. Now this all depends on how you use your home. If you have a massive family and they're the only people that ever visit you, then knock yourself out, go for it. But as a general rule, I would say avoid putting those in public spaces, save them for 
more private spaces, maybe like a, a home office if you have one and you're not actually seeing, uh, if you're not um, having meetings with people in that office, put them in uh, other maybe more rompous rooms or family spaces that may be separate from, from formal dining spaces or living spaces if you have separate spaces, if it's not all just one thing. Maybe put some in the bedroom. But again, I don't know, that can be a little bit creepy if you're walking and you see a million photos in, in your bedroom of family photos. But look, it's up to you. It's up to you. But keep those for, for more of those private spaces or further reaches down maybe uh, hallways or corridors that are further, that people would have to venture to. Okay. That's where I'd be putting family photos. And if you're going to do photos like that, like really consider the scale, the framing, do it well. If you're going to do it, do it well. If you if you go, David, screw you, I'm putting that wedding photo above the mantelpiece, I go, all right, please make sure it's proportionate to the mantelplate, mantelpiece, 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 fireplace, mantelpiece, jeez, words today. Make sure it's proportionate to the space that it's going into, that it's framed beautifully and that it looks cohesive at least. That's what we need to, to, uh, to do. But generally keep family photos in out of public spaces. Focus on other pieces within those spaces. Okay, that's kind of my let's not do this list. Now let's move on. We're 25 minutes in and I haven't got out of the what you should actually do. <laughs> Hang around for the good stuff. First thing you should do if you haven't already is to find your design style, to find the style of art that resonates with you, whether it's paintings, whether it's photography, whether it's sculpture. Maybe you really love texture. Maybe you really love textural three-dimensional art pieces where you can actually touch or feel the canvas. Maybe you love floral pieces, maybe abstract watercolors. Maybe you love geometric pieces, really abstract pieces. Maybe you like very dramatic pieces. And consider the furniture and general design of your space. If you have a very minimal paired back monochromatic like black and white space and you put this huge pop of color in this floral on the wall that's not wrong but understand that if you if you have a, a fairly black and white space and you have a huge pop of color on the wall that's going to become the focal point so if that's what you want to do understand that like that needs to be your intention because it will whether you like it or not become the focal point and same can go the other way you can call you can um you can be dramatic on the opposite scale if you inverted that as well. If everything's really colorful and you've got this sort of black and white, it can add a little bit of drama. But if you inverted that, it also might look a little bit out of place. So you've got to consider the furniture as well. If I got a lot of um, uh, really curvy furniture and then I've got this really structured, uh, hardline, brutalist painting, does that work with the space? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. What's the, what's the intention that you're actually trying to create? Is it, you, is it that you are trying to harmonize it with the rest of the space or are you trying to make it sort of um, uh, juxtapose the space and stand out a little bit more as well? So you need to think about the type of art that you might want. Generally, I'd avoid mixing things like paintings and photography really, really close together. I think it's fine if it was on like an opposite wall or different spaces, but sometimes it can look a little bit hodgepodge if you've got like an oil painting right next to like a black and white photo they don't necessarily talk to each other if one is really um uh one is really fine detail and the other one is quite 
loose in its form, it may not work well together. So you've got to consider it like its own composition. And if you put the wrong piece in the wrong space, visually it can break or make the space. So that that's something to, to consider. And if you're unsure, get a designer involved or talk to an art specialist. How are you going to actually go about buying art? This is where I think that my actual two to three years of waiting to buy this piece actually is very vindicated and I feel fine about it is because I now love these pieces that I bought and I know that they actually really, really work in my space. So what I like to do is I go to local art events and I would encourage you to do the same thing. I go to a couple of different galleries which feature predominantly Brisbane or Queensland-based artists. And the reason that I do that is because I want to know the stories. I can go into these galleries. So there's there are... Two that pops to mind, K West Gallery over at Morningside. They have like a monthly prompt that they provide to artists who can then come and display pieces. And uh, they always do openings. And But I, what I love is I can always talk to the um, gallery manager and that she always explains everything that's, you know, tells me about the artists so I can understand the intention of the piece and if I go on opening nights very often the artists are there and you can actually talk to them which is just it adds to that storytelling because art is storytelling there's also another one up in Paddington called Aspire Gallery and they again have a whole range of um, smaller pieces which are under a certain price point as well which is nice so because um, oh, look well, I guess I haven't even talked about this but art can be damn expensive Damn expensive. There's another fantastic artist, Chris Riley, over at Morningside. Um, oh, maybe Cooper? Not sure. He does fantastic, fine detail, mid-century Palm Springs currently as his sort of focus. And I love his works and I'm still saving up for a piece because you like they're worth every dollar. They just look so amazing and he post all these reels online uh, of him actually painting them. And it's just the amount of work that goes into is ridiculous, but they look so amazing and it's such my vibe. So sometimes you need to, you know, maybe you've maybe set up a little bit of an art investment account in your bank. If you can just squander, a, you know, a couple of dollars every, every week or two into that account. And over time you'll have a little bit of money to be able to invest in a piece of art because sometimes you fall in love with a piece of art and, you know, it's got a couple of dollar tags attached to it and you've got to make that decision about whether you want to jump on that piece or not. And that's up to you. So buying locally. So I've got quite a few, as I said, local Brisbane ones. Another great one to look if you're in Australia generally is Blue Thumb. Blue Thumb is a website which is Australian-based artists and you there are thousands of works on there so a lot of artists will um, not only display locally in galleries but they might be on blue thumb as well what i love about blue thumb is that you can not only shop by size you've got uh, subject matter by medium but you can also look at things like price the colors as well sometimes if i'm buying a piece or specifying a piece for somebody else i'm considering mainly size and color and so i might say look i need i've got this really huge wall so i know i need a very big piece and there's a lot of blues in the space, so I need to find something that's got blue in it. And then it will still give me like hundreds of results. So then I can start to whittle it down whether, you know, do I want uh, a floral subject matter? Do I want a landscape? Do I want a portrait? Whatever. And you can then go and see each of these pieces. Some of them are original. I think most of them are original. Some of them are prints or reproductions. 
Um, but they're all Australian artists. And then you can see the artist profile, see the details about that piece and gain the story that way. You might find local artists at markets. You might find them through other community groups. Go and seek them out. Take an interest in art. Pottery is another great one. I've got a great friend who is a potter and she throws all these beautiful pieces and for years has been experimenting with uh, all sorts of glazing and um, just um, she she has this whole um, collection, I want to say, I say scheme, this whole collection of pieces from reclaimed wild clay from all these suburbs in Brisbane. So what she does is she will go and collect literally with a bucket She'll find a space in you know this suburb to go and uh, collect some clay from the ground. She will uh, reclaim it so that it's, um, I don't know the technical words for all this, makes it usable, let's say that. Get rid of all of the rocks and stuff, make it usable. We'll then throw the clay and then fire it and then writes all these great descriptors of how it was to work with it was it you know easy to work with is it very porous was it hard to fire all these sorts of things and it creates this beautiful narrative and story now with those uh, those um, ceramic pieces to go oh this came from this suburb and you know it's got really high content of this which is why it's this color and you know so on and so you get the picture right it's got a story behind it it's got meaning even if it's this is experimental she's really not necessarily um, going out with the intention other than to create a piece, but she has having to actually react to the medium she's working with instead of starting with a blank slate. She's like, well, I've got this lump of clay and I've just got to roll with the punches and see how it goes. So that's a whole different narrative that's being told through that. So shop local is that little key point. Once we get to finding a piece that we like, this is when I usually struggle because sometimes I'll find a piece and then it's the details that get me. You need to nail the details. First of all, where am I going to put this piece? And I would say, look, it's okay if you're an art collector and you've got all these pieces in the storage, that's fine. But if you are buying a piece and if you if you're going somewhere with the intention of buying a piece and you find a piece, know where it's going to go, know the size and dimensions. I would absolutely recommend if like if you've got a blank wall, get out the painter's tape and mark it up on the wall. Check that the scale is right, and then measure that and know your limits. Know your limits. Know like uh, oh, it could be up to you know five centimeters smaller. It could be up to ten centimeters bigger. Know the wiggle room because artwork. Is often, you know, it's not one size fits all. No, can I have a, a portrait or a landscape here? Like is one going to, is it, is it going to look good if I have a portrait here or is it going to look weird if I put a landscape in here? Know all of that when you're going to buy the art. Consider the size. I just said that. So know the size because it's great and well buying a piece that you love. But if you don't have a place to put it or it's slightly wrong, that, that can be a bit of a bother as well. But you know, if, if you found something you absolutely had to have, then I would work hard on the other end to find a space to put it, right? Consider the colors as well. Consider the colors, the tone, how bright is it? How dark is it? Does that work with your aesthetic? Does that work with the space that it's going within? And will that complement the mood that you're trying to create? Consider the subject matter as well. Is it really detailed? Is it really abstracted? Is it um, of a person? I think one of the, okay, here's another hot tip for you, nearly 35 minutes into the episode. 
one of my big hot tips, I think a fantastic way to bring personality into a space or to bring warmth to a space is actually to include art that has a face in it. It doesn't even have to be human. It can be an animal. Something that has a face in it. It brings this sense of humanity to a space. Oftentimes I'll find myself looking at a space and going, this feels a little bit too, it might have all the right pieces, okay? It's got all the right furniture and the colors are working, but it's a bit void of humanity. And by adding some art that actually has a face in it or an abstraction of a face, you add this sense of humanity. It's almost like there's someone else there sort of with you and it softens that. So there's not this sort of sense of, nothingness not this sense of um uh empty space it's got some humanity to it so i think that is absolutely something that i i live by have have something's got a bit of a face if if things are feeling a bit impersonal and then the last bit is uh so that's your subject matter matter the last bit is framing and mounting which we've kind of already talked about so framing is one thing mounting how am i going to mount it is it surface mounted? Have I got a little niche to put it in? Uh, do I have picture rails and I'm going to hang it from a picture rail? God, I love picture rails. We should really bring those back. Um, what sort of looking at the back of the piece as well before you go and hang it? And if, if it's something A, really expensive or B, in a tricky place, get a get a picture hanger to do it for you. Get a professional in to do it for you. That you know That's a thing that exists. So don't be afraid to use it. Closing thoughts on this one. Do you love it? Do you love the piece? Does it tell a story? Those are things to ask yourself. Art is very personal. Have fun with it. Be expressive. And maybe put it in some weird and unexpected places like your powder rooms, like your bathrooms. Just don't knee-jerk and buy generic art. That's the big takeaway from today. Don't buy the generic art. Because you know what happens with that generic art? It just, A, it'll just fade, you'll hate it. And it's just then becomes disposable. And in a world where we are throwing away things at a very alarming rate, we need to really slow that down. And by buying art that you love, and then actually you might want to pass on to other people into the future, you're being more sustainable about your choices. And you're also sustainable. Uh, supporting local artists and financially supporting them, supporting our local economy. So you're being socially sustainable there as well. So you can feel good about that in your art decisions. That's about it for the episode today. Thank you so much for joining me on Disco Designs, an interior design podcast. If you would like to book in a discovery session with me, which is a a little 20 minute kind of get to know you session, you can jump on over to my website, disco.design slash contact, D-I-S-K-O dot designs slash contact. And you can find my calendarly uh, booking thing there where you can choose a date and time that works for you. You'll immediately get locked into my calendar and we can have the discovery session. Maybe talk about some art, maybe talk about uh, anything else you want to talk about. Kitchens, bathrooms, flooring, all the good things, right? Lighting. Until next time, thank you again for tuning in. Share this with someone if you think it's of benefit. And uh, I would love you to uh, follow me either on Instagram at disco.design or follow the podcast so you get alerted when new episodes come out. 
And uh, if you had a really good time, you can always contact me there, send me through any questions or rate and review the show as well. All right, have a great week and I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.